BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing great. How are you? Good. It's as we're just talking about how this is the first time it's ever happened live. It's true. And in the weirdest of weird locations. It's true. We've made it. Where are we, Chris? We are in the parking lot. I'm not going to name the place, but we're in a parking lot <laughs> of a family, of a major ho- family tourist trap establishment <laughs> yep. in Niagara Falls. Yep. And uh, we've known each other now for probably more than 10 years, easy. Yeah. But to think that it's all come to this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is where my worlds can lie in the parking lot <laughs> of a family establishment yeah. now. That's where. That's where uh, my uh, my my the rest of my life is forced to live now in the parking lot outside. <laughs> uh, no, it was it's it's good. Thank you for coming out here to I do this. This, this is kind of cool. We get to finally do one. Yeah. In person, like we were talking about, how this is like. Uh, well, I don't know. For me, I'm thinking this is the last podcast that I've gotten to do with you know a co-host. You know, I've done my other podcast True. with co-host live. Yep. Never gonna do this one with you, last That's true, man. Um, I feel like it's the most punk way to do it too, really. Yeah. If you think about it in those terms, yeah, it's very appropriate for like no budget touring style yep. or something. Yeah, sitting in a van in a parking lot on a cold November night. <laughs> yep, week night, no less. But yeah, yep. Hopefully, one day we can make it actually happen on tour. <laughs> Yes, hopefully. But uh, we do have, uh, thankfully, the internet connection. Oh, it keeps coming and going. So uh, we might have to do uh, the uh, resource on our phones tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figure. But I do have uh, the whole document up here for uh, this week's episode, and it is uh, Jeff Cannonball from CZW 
Altered Boys, Black Kites, and uh, Urban Blight Connected, <laughs> yeah. uh, Fucked Up Connected. Uh, this will be a great episode. How's he fucked up connected? Uh, we're label mates. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Label mates, you know? That's uh, right. Uh, but we've got like a lot of stuff to get to this week. We've got some unfortunate news. Uh, we're not talking about world news, thankfully, because that would be really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, we're, but we also have some other news to get to, but yeah, first let's start off with, uh, I guess some bad news. Uh, we have some obituaries to get to first and, uh, I guess not foremost, but, uh, certainly foremost in the news here these days is the passing of Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, I guess like, what is, do you have any personal connection? Like, that's the thing about Leonard Cohen. It's like, as a Canadian... Uh, you know, you, you, you seem to probably have, you know, at least a memory of where you first were exposed to the musical. <clears throat> I think the first, I have the weirdest memory, all things considered, it was Pump Up the Volume, the movie. Oh, yeah. He plays, I don't even know what song it is, actually, but he plays a Leonard Cohen song, I think, when him and the, the girl he's infatuated with eventually have sex in the movie. Oh. And I remember that vividly, not because of the sex thing, but I just remember it being like, or actually, no, it's when he starts his show every... Doesn't he start his show with a Leonard Cohen song every time? You have to get fact-checked. Everybody knows. I think that's... Oh, he does it? Yeah, that would make sense. I think he... Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm confusing, but everybody knows. Anyway, yeah. there's some Leonard Cohen song in that movie that I've always stood out for me. So that was my first uh, recollection of it. And I think, you know, in, in years since... It's weird, like, I always dislike... Well, I dislike when these people pass because I liked what they did, but... I always find, like, in recent years, there's been a few I haven't, like, gotten majorly into, and I feel bad. Like, Leonard Cohen, I know I love, I'm guessing, about 90% of his catalog, but I've probably heard maybe 5%. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's where I, I don't have any, like, huge personal thing. Obviously, I know, like, the albums people know, but uh, tend to know, that is. Mm -hmm. Songs of Love and Hate, things like that, but no, not really. I don't have any major association other than thinking he was cool, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, you? My friend Simon Ennis played me the tribute record. It was like that tribute record to Leonard Cohen that came out in the I guess early 90s. Okay. Maybe late 80s? No, or probably early 90s. I don't remember that. Okay. Oh, let's, let's get the resource. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the phones on already. I remember seeing something. Uh, I don't know if it was attached to that, but I remember seeing a live uh, performance. It was a bunch of different artists. I remember Jarvis Cocker was one, and they were covering different Cohen uh, songs. This might have been prior to that, but maybe yeah. not. Like that's the thing about Pulp; they've been around forever, right? This would have been no. This was like post, like like Pulp kind of being done or whatever. Oh, okay, then so no, this would have been, been yeah, before not, that. It would have been within the last decade. I don't, I'm assuming what you're talking about isn't connected, but um, anyway. But yeah, Leonard Cohen, obviously, you know, major influence on probably a good segment of the people that uh, we were influenced by in one way or another. Yeah, like, I'm trying to remember, is it called, like, I'm Your Man? Could be, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> if you can picture two dudes in a van with frosted with windows phones. just hitting up the phones. There's a security guard patrolling around here, so <laughs> we might get a knock on the window wondering what we're doing. Yeah. Just podcasting, sir. <laughs> Don't mind us. Yeah, I don't know that comp, though, surprisingly. I don't remember this. Oh, man. That does sound like something that would be very 90s. Yeah, it was. It had, like, uh, it had R.E.M. or at least Michael Stipe doing, uh, 
Then we take Berlin. It had, uh... Either way, but yeah. It's way harder to search on your phone than it is on the computer, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the resources interface on the phone is not as lovely. No, it's I not. Have to say. It's not really as user-friendly. Let's see. Let's see if we can get this on. Uh, but anyway, Leonard Cohen, um, certainly a, a, a real tragic passing and something that, as I say, in Canada right now certainly has been brought up a lot in the news and, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's. I guess it goes to show, like, the impact. Like, my a couple of years ago, my wife, uh, Lauren, who's asleep right now, <laughs> um, a, few, a few hundred feet away, uh, it, uh, she, uh, she and her family went to that, and then, like, she ran, I think her mom went one night, and then her dad went another night, they're yeah. divorced, and then her aunt and uncle went another night. Like, it's just, like, everyone kind of went in her family to go see Leonard Cohen <laughs> nice. on that last run. That I never did. saw him. Did you see him? Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I think I did. You know, this sounds terrible that I can't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw him at a festival, but, you know, it was yeah. it was very brief if I did, and unfortunately way too late at night. No, this is not going to run on my computer. Anyway, I guess we should move on to uh, the next passing, but uh, that is a real tragic loss, Leonard Cohen, and, uh, you know, if you're in Canada, our Prime Minister has definitely acknowledged the passing of him, and I think has led the eulogy, or is doing, uh, uh, just leading tributes. Yeah. Um, but sad day. It's funny how many people, though, I don't think associate him with being Canadian, though. Really? You think people don't? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's one of these people that seem to, to transcend that, that notion of just being the Canadian, you know, whatever, poet, singer guy. I don't know. That dude is, like, so Montreal. I know it's we crazy. feel that way, but yeah, I, I feel true. like the outside world doesn't think of him in those terms. It's just kind of interesting to see the, the sort of eulogizing of him, and it's sort of coming out more in the news. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. I, I don't think I, when I first heard of him, I don't think I knew that he was Canadian. Up until like I started looking into him a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I I, I, I always associate him with that, but I I think that depends how you're introduced to an artist. But I could see how, you know, I don't know. I think you're probably right. No, I don't know. Do you think Neil Young's considered more Canadian than Leonard Cohen? Like by the by the average person, because like American people are always like, oh, Neil Young's Canadian. Yeah, like, I think I don't know what it is. For some reason, that that stuck with him. I don't know if it's because more of a People like Neil Young or Randy Bachman or those types always tended to, like, fly the flag. I'm not sure Leonard Cohen is known for that as much. Maybe that's why it's not associated to him. Yeah, I guess it comes up in Leonard Cohen's music more, though. Like, Montreal yeah. references. And he got, like, started so much later. Like, I think he lived in Montreal a lot longer yeah. than Neil Young lived in Canada. I don't know. I mean, I could be off base. i just thinking for myself, yeah. personally, I, I never realized he was Canadian until after knowing yeah. who he was. And then being, you know like, foolishly happy that he was, thinking, like, we have another amazing uh, person coming from this country. Yeah, well, you would not have that question right now. Because <laughs> certainly not letting you forget that he might be, uh, at one point, Canadian. Yes. In the Canadian news media. <laughs> um, so There's another passing as well, though. Yes, rest in peace, Leonard Cohen. Yes. Um, a really sad, uh, a really sad passing. Um, I'll, speaking of sad passings though, uh, Norton Records, Billy Miller, uh, has also passed away. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with Norton Records, they are a label, uh, 
I don't beyond belief when it comes to putting out music like oh god the 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 real kids the 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 reissues that they've done like the the careers they've kind of like helped relaunch and it's a label that you know by all accounts you know paid the artists because no one really tried to take their records away from them from what I've heard and seen and stuff so uh very uh sad to hear this passing um kicks magazine too dictators yes yep Sonics. There's a lot of people who've put up some really nice things if you look on social media, if you search the hashtag Billy Miller. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm a fan of this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sure most people in some regard, and you and I, of course, are, but yeah, like a, lot, a lot more people we know are definitely fans of this kind of whatever whatever that is. I don't think you can be like a, you know, like a real, not a real, but like, <laughs> I don't think you're a collector. <laughs> I don't think you're a collector, but most people <laughs> who are record collectors, I think, would have a Norton record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whether they know it or not. Yeah. You know, there's just, like, so much stuff that Norton's kind of, like, put out or, or helped see the light, the light of day. Yeah. I believe they also, did they not reissue The Crusher by the Novas? I believe yeah, they did. yeah, you're right. And they also, I think, did that Velvet Underground box set a couple years yeah. ago. Or was it Sundays? It, honestly, though, I never got to go to the store. Did you ever get to go to the store? In New York? Yeah. No. Which is kind of crazy that you haven't been, I think. I'm trying to think if, how long ago was that open, though? It's still open now, I think. It's in Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think I ever got to go. I've been to, like, a lot of stores in Brooklyn, too. But I guess it's one of those things where if you're not, like, right by a store, you're there for such a short period of time normally. You know, um, a couple weeks ago when we were on tour, it was amazing because when we were in, like, Springfield, Massachusetts, or uh, Massachusetts, Maryland. Yeah. Springfield, Maryland? Anyway. The suburb of Washington, D.C. area. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were, like, two records stores within walking distance of the venue. Nice. Like, perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. But, like, <laughs> rarely does that happen, right? Normally yeah. you get one. Yep. But, no, I didn't get a chance to go to the Norton Record Store, but I'm a big fan of it. And, uh, uh, you no, know, like, you know, a collector's collector when yes. it comes to records. So... Rest in peace, Billy Miller, and uh, I'm sure you can go out there and pick up some Norton Records if you haven't picked up Norton Records before and find out some incredible music that, you know, Billy played a part in helping see the light of day. There you go. So I guess now with the awkward transition, um, if you want to get in touch with us uh, over here, Chris, how do they do that? Turn out a punk at sorry. Turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. Awesome, and also you can uh, check out all the cool stuff that we get sent in on this to the show over on Facebook, facebook.com slash turn out a punk, and it's run by my brother Tristan Abraham, and hey, you're your friend now, Chris. You've never really met him in real life. Though, right? <laughs> Ironically, I've not. No. No. Well, you guys have been One in the same day. room. You guys have been in the same room before. May- maybe it'll be in a van in a 10 years from now <laughs> in a parking lot. <laughs> uh, probably. He'll <laughs> be with me, too. Uh, I think, actually, we might be dragging him here for over the holidays. That'd be funny. If so that's the case, we'll we do We have to do one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, but you can also check out over at turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com. We have a Tumblr page where we post stuff if you don't use Facebook because, you know, there's some people in this world that don't use Facebook at this point, myself included. Uh, But if you do use Facebook, you might have heard about this. 
there is going to be a Turned Out of Punk Northeast American Tour coming out. That's right. You're going to be able to see this podcast, not this podcast. Well, hopefully this podcast. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed, this very podcast. But the Turned Out of Punk podcast live, a hot on the heels of the successful, I'm going to call it successful. <laughs> we'll wait till Dave comes on in a couple of weeks to really put, to describe it as successful or not. Uh, but I think it was successful. But Hot on the Hills is a successful uh, debut of Turned Out of Punk in Austin, Texas at Sound on Sound Festival. Turned Out of Punk is coming to you if you live in one of four cities on the American East Coast. Uh, we're going to be in on December the 12th, Monday, the Great Scott in Alston, Massachusetts. December 13th, Tuesday at the Black Cat in Washington, D.C. December the 14th, Wednesday, Johnny Brenda's in Philadelphia. The next day, December the 15th, at Rough Trade in Brooklyn, New York, finishing off the tour. And as I mentioned, Chris, hopefully you're going to be able to join us. I'm, yeah, I'm working my we're, hardest to make that happen. We're going we're gonna to figure that out. But we've got some hot guests that are going to be announced soon. Uh, you can go over to DamienAbraham.com, and there's a, like, I think it's the tour, Taupe Live. Click on that, and you can um, buy tickets. Yeah. You know, please come out and check it out. I'm going to have some hot guests for you. I promise. I got some, I got some good plans. I got some big, big, big plans for this thing. Okay, Chris, let's get on to today's episode. <laughs> mailbag. Well, mailbag, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mailbag first. This uh, is actually a column. So this is like, there's a whole <laughs> bunch here. So this is one of our column contributors, our Norwegian <laughs> correspondent, as I've affectionately titled. Yeah, Cal. Uh, are we going to? Are we just going to do this? I guess we have to do this uh, ten inch thing. We have now. the ten inches. He's got some. Uh, there was some other stuff he sent in too, but the ten inches we kind of said we'd do this week. We do. We say we do the ten inches. There's this a week? bunch okay. that people have sent. In, yeah, there's so. a bunch. So uh, it's going to be. <coughs> are you sure you want to do the ten inches this week, Chris? Because also Discogs is running a little clunky. All right, yeah, maybe we should save that for when okay, we're, we'll we're the resources running in full. Yeah, because we don't we don't have full resource capacity. What we're trading in uh, connectivity right now, <laughs> we're gaining in uh, camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I will say, uh, yeah, number six, I'm definitely with big time, Kel. Into that, we'll uh, get to that another week. Well, there's anyway. so much stuff that's worth talking on this. This yeah. is gonna be an amazing thing to get through. Um. Yeah, this will be incredible. Okay, Cal, yeah, we'll get to that next week. Uh, I guess... Uh, this, this is regarding the anarcho-punk. He sent in stuff in regards to that article with neurosis from last week. Oh, yeah, we sent in that... Uh, Cal sent in last week a article where it was neurosis picking their favorite peace-punk songs. Was that it? It was like or anarcho-punk anarcho -punk bands, yeah. more or less. And uh, that was a cool piece, but... Kel's comment on it is just a comment on the discharge thing. I've always considered them as an originator, as a disband, OG Kang band, or what we call it now, D beat. I have tried to make my fave top 10 or 18 <laughs> as they got to in the end, top anarcho punk bands. But then what's a label? It's punk in the end. Fave anarcho UK punk bands. The positions on this list is fluid according to my state of mind, but I really love those bands. Okay. Well, here you go. So okay. We got one to ten, I think, on this. So I guess we should go ten to one, right? That's how you do these. Th oh, or 18. 18. 18. All right. Okay, go 18. 
Uh, alternative. Never got an alternative. I don't know that one. Uh, I, I like alternative. Anthrax, not to be confused with uh, American Anthrax. American Anthrax, yeah. but yes, an incredible band. Solid. Yep. Morbid humor. I don't think I know morbid humor. Don't know that one either. Uh, dirt. Uh, I, I'm, I I like dirt. I love dirt even more because uh, there's a picture of Ewan wearing a dirt shirt <laughs> that I remember as a kid. So that's how I think I got into dirt. From seeing him wear that photo, but it was when he had dreadlocks, and I think it was like wow. forbidden knowledge back then to see that photo. Wow. Uh, it was in a Max Rock and Roll. Uh, and Anti System. 14, yeah. Okay, Cal, we can already eliminate one from your list because you have morbid humor twice on your list. <laughs> I never noticed that. Yeah, never. Number 13, morbid humor again. Number 12, The Mob. Uh, the UK well, Mob. Yeah, both are incredible. Yeah. But I do love that UK Mob. Uh, Omega Tribe, yes, a great Chumbawamba, as we discussed last week and went into yeah. some detail. Yeah. But uh, Conflict, yeah. I would have said Conflict higher, but that's maybe just me. Yeah, Icons of Filth, yeah, incredible. Anti-Sect, of course. Rudiment, which once again, I would say for me they would have been higher. Rudimentary Peen, I would have been higher for me. Zounds, yep. Flux of Pink Indians, uh, I would say uh, Subhumans, and then Poison Girls, and then Crass. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would have a, my top ten be a little different, but that's fluid. Chris, solid, solid list. Great list. Great list. Um, I would have picked. I mean, my one to three probably would have been. Well, he doesn't have Discharge on here, but well, yeah, because conflict. We, well, he was saying Discharge is different to him, right? Yeah. It's a Kang band or a Dis band or a D beat. Yeah. Either way, interesting. He has some non ones too, non UK versions like bands as well. But what's well, non UK? If you go down next. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's more. Uh, UK. Oh, sorry. Uh, n- n- favorite non UK anarcho punkish peace punk bands. Crucifix from the US. Yeah, incredible. Godly. Yeah. Uh, Anger Watt from Norway. I kind of like. A, I don't think it's like a later Anger Watt record. Maybe it's a different Anger Watt. That's that's not very good. But then I know I've heard stuff by this Anger Watt. I don't know. Uh, uh, State of Mind, Christ on Parade, uh, Iconoclast, Angola Gay, uh, and uh, Angola Gay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dondar, Dondar, uh, Tin Can Army. And then favorite uh, non-anarcho-punk release on an anarcho-punk label, Captain Sensible. This is your captain speaking, 7-inch, Honey Bane, Violence Grows. Uh, I would say I would say the Honey Bane is my number one, 100%. Uh, Fits, Tears of a Nation, and then MDC, Multi-Death Corporations. And just to say, I haven't forgotten Amoebics, Instigators of Civilized Society, but they're also bits out of my, in my book. There you go. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I would I would include um, Amoebics on my list, I guess. But I guess we're late. Very thorough, though, for people who are not uh, familiar with a lot of this yeah. stuff. You can pretty much go off that, <laughs> and then you're good to good to roll. You're set. You're set in your anarcho uh, your anarcho toolbox. So we have another massive column this week, depending on what you want to get to. Well, we're going to skip the ten inches. We're going to skip the ten inches. So there's the misfits material, which we have. Uh, this is our American one of our American correspondents, Dave Martin, as always. Um, he sent it ten inches, which we've. Uh, we'll do another week, as it turns out. But yeah, misfits stuff I thought was really good. Because I thought he... You want me to do it? Sure. Yeah, do you want to take this one? Sure, I can read it for you. I got it. Uh, 
first, uh, so in regards to the Misfits, ah, yeah. I'm sorry, Damien Chris, just signed. Up. Damien just uh, uh, hacked into the internet. Okay, there we go. All right, so it was the other week. Uh, the interview you had with Doyle uh, and his wife, wife, girlfriend. I don't know if they're married. I think they're married. Anyway, um, kind of spawned things regarding the Misfits. So um, we were having some discussion uh, amongst the. Uh, <laughs> the contributors to the podcast, so to speak. But uh, Dave had a lot of really good things to say about the Misfits. Yeah, an editorial meeting. We That's did, yeah, editorial the, meeting. The editorial meeting behind the scenes. <laughs> I I will submit yeah. that it's not uh, everything on this I do not agree with, but I thought the summary was very good, so we'll just go through yeah. and kind of say it. Um, so Misfits stuff. First, they did not have a solid lineup and did not play outside of the New York City area, no matter what, for a band to really be successful and crack that mass consciousness they have to play in front of people, a lot of people, and Damien's got a scroll here for me. Uh, the Misfits don't have a solid touring lineup until the early 80s when the initial wave of punk rock was over. Uh, so that's his first point. Second, the records. They didn't have a full-length record out until Walk Among Us in 82, uh, which might uh, as well be forever in comparison to the 1977 or 78 uh, releases. The records that people know uh, people now, pardon me, think of as essential, like Static Age or Legacy of Brutality, did not exist. They are uh, late 80s and early 90s creations where Glenn went back uh, and assembled and re-recorded in many instances a sort of what should have been or something like that. So the only thing people had were the singles, if they were lucky enough to find them. There was also a double-edged sword of Glenn keeping everything on Plan 9. No doubt a bigger label would have pushed more records out, issued a full length uh, a lot earlier, but they were just not to that point yet. If you look at what is considered one of the best American punk records of the late 70s, the Real Kids' first LP, um, anyway, in contrast, I guess, uh, the record was obscure, and it wasn't until Norton reissued it Mm -hmm. until people started to call it a classic record. If you look at where uh, it resides today, you realize that it's still cons still going deep, considered going deep. So that was his second point. Anyway, in my stupid mind, I refuse to consider any record that is a compilation or issued posthumously a real record, so that leaves only Walk Among Us and Earth AD to consider. Walk Among Us is great, pretty much perfect, even Brain Eaters. Earth AD is not in the same league, but I have listened to it so many times in my life that I probably don't have the most objective opinion uh, about it beyond this. It could probably have been much, much better. Funny aside, but, uh, yeah, we don't need to go into this bit, but anyway, uh, that was the, skip that paragraph. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, he said, okay, having said that, uh, everyone needs a copy of Static Age in both collections, uh, ASAP, as well as Walk Among Us and Legacy of Brutality. If you have less than five Misfits LPs, you're doing it wrong. So I definitely am doing it wrong, according to Dave Martin, uh, but proudly, might I add. Uh, third, touring. By the time the Misfits had a solid lineup and could tour, only, re uh, only Real Avenue was American DIY circuit that puts them smack dab in the middle of hardcore, which sort of takes them out of consideration for any big labor interests. Fourth, behind slash ahead of the times. The whole image thing was so over the top that nowhere had nowhere to exist except for punk rock. Even uh, if they had major label backing, the band's image and aesthetic were so foreign to almost any everyone at the time, it would have been money wasted or worse. Someone would have been pushing to update and modernize it. The people who liked old horror-slash-sci-fi movies, etc., were the weirdos. Astro Zombies is a galaxy away from Jamie's Crying or even Highway to Hell. 
Fifth, Glenn, uh, well, we don't have to go into this. Basically, it just talks about Glenn's personality being a bit of a buffer. <laughs> but uh, I, so that's that's in conclusion to what Dave said. I thought it was pretty, uh, it kind of covers all bases in my world. But uh, what do you think of that there, Dave? Well, is that, is that, is that in regards to Misfits, the greatest punk band, not at all a punk band thing, I think? It was sort of about that. It was sort of, uh, it but was I, just I, I also think that they, there are Misfits records that were out there. They're like one of the most bootleg bands of all time. Yeah. And they're, but that might be later on too. So, yeah, like I, 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 I guess like, you know, that's kind of the point I was making last week, right? I think what I liked about him saying all this was that, especially in regards to the early material, where, where he basically talks about the misfits that people tend to know now and eulogize was not necessarily the way the misfits trajectory actually was. So it's, yeah. it's you have to, uh, you have to view it with different, uh, a different light. If you really want to break down how the misfits legacy, uh, exists. I, 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 I don't know if you do though, cause it's still like, it's the three dudes. You're right. I just think though the idea right, like, of the, like the posthumous release thing, I guess, is is important. Yeah, like I, I, you're right. Like in, maybe in their like legacy, but I think that's like, you know, and maybe Glenn, like you're saying, Glenn re-recorded a lot of that stuff or and things like that. But like, I still think it's like the three dudes the whole way through. Like it's there's a, a continuity in that band. Yeah, more than in Career Suicide. <laughs> yes, of course. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna really get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, that was the call from Dave this week. Excellent as always. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Uh, we're going to have to get a Michael's email next week, Michael P's email next week, because it is great, but unfortunately, we're doing the tennis next week. Yeah. Um, and did we do this last week? We didn't do it. This was the, uh, we can get into this or not. We had another message or we could shelf this, whatever you want to do. There's a few uh, in here that work go both ways based on our uh, off-the-grid uh, thing here. Yeah, why don't we, why don't we go into this next one okay. for this week? Best live band. Take it, Damien. Best live band. Howdy from Texas. So I'd like to put forth that at the drive-in are the best live band ever. Okay. They always sound lively and in tune, even when they're thrashing about the stage. Secondly, Cedric is has a very strong screaming and singing voice to this day, and is also an incredibly nice and humble person, who I uh, built a weird friendship with at one point uh, for Best Live Acts, Chromags. I saw them in August here in San Antonio, and they were fantastic. Still a lot of energy for guys in their mid-50s. They played all of Age of Coral, and some of the Bad Brains covers thrown in there to make everyone lose their shit. Uh, side note, on the topic of punishing musicians at festivals, last year at FFF Fest, fun, fun, fun festival, uh, I met Sandy <laughs> from Fucked Up, and I'm pretty sure I came off as a punisher, asking a ton of questions while my glasses were broken and hanging off my face. Sorry, Sandy, but thank you, Sandy, for dealing with an overly excited nerd from Texas. Thanks for the podcast. It's been great. But come on, let's get the part twos. Your friend John. Well, John, there have been a couple part twos. <laughs> there have been, yeah. Uh, I have another part two done that's just waiting to drop. And nice. I actually spoke to uh, the person who's featured in this part two, and he's like, When are you going to put my episode out? And I'm, uh, I'm putting it out really soon. Pressure's on. I know. But I just like, there's a lot of stuff that's come up, and I want to save that one for a good week. But yeah, no, it's coming up. Uh, so there are there are part twos coming up. Uh, MVP has kind of been on three times now. Yeah. 
But there was part two early on. Papa Lardo's is, is two. Is two, yeah. That one, that's not, he's actually got to come on for a legit part two. Yeah. Um, there's also Davey Havoc. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's also uh, Nate, Converge Nate. Yep. There's a few. There's so a few. So based on what the subject matter though of this of this message was, best live band. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm respectfully going to disagree. I'm going to respectfully disagree as well. But they are a good live band. I'm not going to. I'm not saying they're not no. a good live band. They are a very good live band, or at least in their prime. I was able to see them in their prime once, and they were excellent. But I saw them on the. Uh, I saw them at the Gilman, uh, just. Just right before that first Fearless record came out. <laughs> I like how I mentioned a story and then Damien just one-ups me right Well, now. I'm like, I saw them on Relationship Command in Toronto. <laughs> of, or I didn't even say that, but that's when I saw them. But uh, yeah, Damien's like, I saw them in El Paso. No, no, I saw, them, I saw them, no, just because I happened to be yeah. at the Gilman visiting my friend uh, who was going to school down there at the time and took in the show. I think it was a really weird bu- bill. Like, I think it was them... Oh, gosh, there was that weird Krishna band on Chapter 1 Records. You got me here, man, I don't know. And then there was, um, that was a very bizarre bill. Fat Day might have played, too. Uh, trial, was it Trial and At the Driving? Might have been Trial and At the Driving. Anyway, it was, a, it was a show. But good live band, uh, not one of my personal favorites, but they were very good live. They were, they were fantastic. I don't know, best live band of all time. That's a hard, first of all, it's hard to make oh, that distinction. so hard, so hard. I like that you mentioned the Cro-Mags. They're consistently an excellent yeah. live band. I would uh, say John Joseph's probably my, one of my favorite front people of all time. Yeah, Hands and up. I've never seen, like, quote-unquote, the real Cro-Mags even. I never saw, the, like, yeah, the quote-unquote, you know, capital C Cro-Mags. I haven't seen the three. I haven't yeah. seen the three. like The big three together. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what you need. To me, like, I get that you know, we've all seen the Cro-Mags. It's like Cro-Mags light. But if you haven't seen the big three, then you haven't really, you know, seen it. Yeah, well, so, still, no, I don't know. Like, at this point, like, would you want to see the big three? <laughs> yes. Would you want to see the three together? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I would. Uh, I, 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 I prefer John and the others. <laughs> well, I like what I've seen, and I'll probably watch them again another ten times. Yeah, but, yeah. But I will say, just when we're if we're comparing apples to apples here, I think the big three need to be considered if you're really holding them up. I think John, uh, yeah. I, I, oh, it'll I, never happen. I don't yeah, think it'll ever happen. It'll never happen. But I think back to talking about the Cro-Mags as far as a live band. So, yeah, the Cro-Mags version that I've seen is one of my favorite live bands I've ever seen. Uh, Avail, back in the ba- yeah, back. Never uh, saw Avail. Oh my God, those are some good shows. I think they're really great live bands. Uh, uh, Dylan Jafour. Never saw them either. Um, great band though. Uh, I'm trying to think of other yeah great great live bands like bands where you're just like I'm gonna shout out one since it's a Texas person who wrote in and I've seen that but two incarnations of bands from this this group, uh, Marked Men incredible live yeah. and I saw Radioactivity recently as well yeah. and they were also incredible I just saw Radioactivity too the yeah, other day really good and they were fucking awesome yeah Mar- I mean Markman for me record recording wise are next level so I, I enjoy them more but Markman have a couple songs where I'm like that might be one of the best pop punk songs oh, ever dude so good so in the light of Texas shout outs here uh I'm gonna say Markman over at the drive-in all day. Long. I would, I would say, I would say at the drive-in over Markman. Like if I'm just saying pure live, like I'm not saying like songs or yeah, records yeah, I'm yeah. gonna to listen to. I'm just saying like live energy-wise. Yeah, I get you. You know, like uh, like if I'm going, you know, if I'm okay. So if I'm just going live energy-wise, like bands where I'm just like that is holy shit. When you leave the show, you're just like wow. Stooges, 
uh, trash talk. Like <laughs> I've seen some trash talk shows where I'm like, that was the most ridiculous thing I've seen in my life. Like, just like how, w- w- what did they do? You can't do that. Yeah. You're not allowed to I do think, that. I think there's different criteria too. Cause there's just like proficiency in bands and then there's just spectacle. And if they if you marry both, it's great. But yeah. for me, it's like, there are bands that I would say like, I could name you, you know, what I feel are like the, the best live bands in the last 10 years. I'm sure people would disagree with me, but they'd be mostly punk hardcore bands in terms of like that. Like if I were to name a band like Hoax, Hoax to me were one of the best live bands in the last five, ten years. But it's not everyone's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Similar to like early fucked up, you bashing your head in like, or I don't know if you still do that. I guess maybe you do. No, of not so I much. <laughs> so what I mean is, there's aspects like it depends on what you're you know, what you're into because because like on the opposite end of the spectrum like Fugazi were one of the best live bands I've ever seen also so and it's a totally different can of worms it's a lot like At The Drive-In have you ever it seen is. that video? Fugazi absolutely I was on a message board one time and someone took these two videos and put them back to back and they're like which is worse and it's just two videos of like the bands just like ye- like lecturing for an unbelievable <laughs> amount of time the kids that crowd surfed like I just never, like unbelievable. Like obviously, if you do that at the, at a Fugazi show, like yeah, fuck, you get what you deserve because yeah, yeah. you've been forewarned yeah. at this point. Yeah. But like also at the same time, it's like, oh come on, you need to shame this person <laughs> like for like twenty they minutes. Didn't, uh, there was no lectures when I saw them, but I will say, just as a live entity, they were fantastic and, and like next level. I know you're they're not Damien's favorite thing in the world, but. Yeah, the driving one was amazing. The guys are like tagging off. Like, just like if I tag out, get on this dude for a bit. I need to just catch my breath and wow. get a sip of water. And then like the other guy's like, yeah, fuck this guy for crowd surfing. Wow. Get the fuck out of I here. I wasn't aware that they were that kind of band. I never saw, I've saw them. Too, I, same when I saw them, they were not like that. But like, you know, bands go through different. Yeah, yeah. Their vibes change, obviously. Yep. As the aforementioned head bashing. <laughs> but yeah, um. Anyway, great topic. I'm sure people will write in. Feel free to write in best live bands. I'm sure we will. Uh... Stooges, the day I, they stand out, when the day we play with them, after they had all their gear ripped off in Montreal the night before, they were, oh my God. I'm sure most bands that are iconic in some regard in their day, you know, if you lined them up, yeah, obviously, like hearing the Stooges makes perfect sense. Like they were excellent, of course. Mm-hmm. Like I never got a chance to see them. I, I almost went that day that you played with them, but... Um, anyway, I did great band though. Yeah, of course. You fucked up. You we fucked up. We can skip up. this uh, one here because it's ten inches and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so. ten inches. Uh, this one here. Yeah, this one. Take this one. Or was this me? I don't, do I take this one? Uh, I think so. All right. Subject: Seth Rollins and Wonder Years from Michael K. I was hanging out with a friend recently and watching Seth Rollins watching a Seth Rollins wrestling match, and they told me that Seth had done a stint as a merch guy for the pop-punk band Wonder Years during the sev- during the several times they had seen the band. I'm not sure that it was a common knowledge. Um, his stage name implies that he is probably a punk, but I thought it was funny, uh, funny little punk wrestling uh, intersection. So, Damien, there you go. No, I'm friends with the guys in the Wonder Years, and, yeah, I don't know if he did merch for them. i, I got to ask him about that, but, like, I know he would go to their shows and, like, bust crazy dives uh, off the stage and stuff. And, yeah, he's he got his name from uh, Henry Rollins. Oh, okay. So, um, 
believe me. Oh my gosh, believe me. He's he's on the he, I'm on that trail. <laughs> nice. Um okay, next email. Uh, this, this is, is from uh, Jesse, Jesse L. L uh, Simply Saucer versus Teenage Head. I'm a longtime fan of Tope and the author of the Simply Saucer, bi- Simply Saucer biography, Heavy Metalloid Music. Metalloid Music. Yeah. I'll be out later this month for uh, Eternal Cavalier Press. Uh, so I was excited to hear you talk about them during this week's footnotes. There's a quasi-rivalry between Simply Saucer and Teenage Head, both in a friendly competitive sense from the shows they played together in the 70s and due to early head member Steve Sparky Park going on to join uh, Saucer years later. The father of Edgar Bro and Frankie Venom also worked together as guards at a jail in Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton. Cincinnati. Uh, the song you quoted for lyrics from was I Was a Rock and Roll Droog, a.k.a. The Story of Simply Saucer. It's actually from the new 2LP Rarities compilation, Saucer Land. I know Dave also yeah, Dave Martin. was pissed at Chris and I for not knowing. It's Revoked like, our citizenship. Yeah. It's like, sorry, Dave, just got just got the uh, the first press of that thing. Uh, I contribute liners to that one as well. Uh, three more quick points. One, Simply Saucer has one of those superstar lineups you mentioned, like Career Suicide. Mike uh, Triplecock up from the Killjoys play guitar and theremin. Oh, the, the the Canadian Killjoys. Yeah. Today, everyone. And uh, oh, that's that's crazy. I didn't know that. And then uh, Glenn uh, Milcom. I think it says, oh, yeah, I'm reading it wrong. Uh, from Blue Rodeo, plays drums. They sound fantastic. Uh, when Glenn is unavailable, I've been honored to have the opportunity to f- filling in on drums with Simply Saucer at some of the upcoming launch events for my book. Has Biographer ever done that before? Uh, um, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. The only things I think of with, with stuff like that is like that, what was it, the Germs movie, the guy... Shane West actually sang for them and stuff like that. I don't know. That's how I got my germs burned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's Shane West. Yeah, he's uh, got a third point here, really quick. Not from not from Shane West. I never met Shane West. Yeah. But here's a cool, nice person. Yeah. He did have his teeth lasered to look like Darby's. Wow. Jesus. That's like you know what? Like I would love if someone did like one of those shows. Like I had three hundred plastic surgeries to look. Just like Barbie, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I have my teeth lasered to look like Darby Crash. Darby Crash. Wow. He also the same tattoos done too, right? Jeez. And Good he says, "Cyborgs Revisited" is the best Canadian album of all time. Um, it's definitely in contention. I don't know if I still don't know if I agree with that, but they're an excellent band. Yeah, but then it comes up to Dave's thing: is it like a posthumous release, right? <coughs> I suppose, yeah. It's definitely one of the most significant records, probably the most significant, you know, record of all time as far as documenting my <laughs> much cherished belief that, or shared belief with a lot of people, that punk kind of starts at the same point all over the place. Yeah, you know. Either way, early seventies, mid seventies, but yeah, I can't wait to read that book. This yeah. is going to be a good book. So, when is that coming out? You said at the beginning there, uh, later this month, so November. Yeah. On what is it? Eternal Cavalier Press. But yeah, thanks Jesse for the message. Great uh, info. 
Yeah, pick it up, and then I guess pick up that uh, new rarities comp. I don't think that's that new. I think that's been out for a little while. I said it's new. New double LP. Okay, well. From the new double LP rarities oh, compilation, right. Saucerland. I think it's a few years old, I think. Well, anyway. New-ish. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. Yes. <laughs> Stickler. Yeah. More Misfits. More Misfits. More All for right. you, Chris. Yes. Uh, it's funny that I'm reading the Misfits stuff tonight. Uh, anyway, sorry. Daniel B. writes in Misfits slash UK Euro comps. I want to get uh, the opinion of Damien and I on Sam Hain, the other dancing It's pronounced band. differently, eh? Is it? Yeah, it's like, as well as like, that's what I just found out. Like, Tim Kerr was saying it's like some Hawkeye or something like that. It's like Weird. some, like, Gaelic pronunciation. But anyway, go well, on. Well, Sam Hayden I know, that's what, I, that's what I've been calling it. They just don't ever seem to get mentioned. Uh, and I personally think their first album, Initium, is excellent. Uh, and is just, and is just outright better than some of the later Misfits stuff, no less. Metal. Uh, and and a lot less party metal than Danzig. Also, I wanted to add some UK Euro comp. Okay, well, first of all, let's stop there for a minute. Sure. Feelings Sam on Hain. Sam Hain. I love Sam Hain. Me too. Um, you know, like, uh, I, yeah, like, I don't know. They're, I think they kind of get sandwiched between, you know, they're just like a bridge band for a lot of people. Yeah. I think my dickish opinion forever, and I still am clinging to it, is that I like Sam Hainbet more than The Misfits, just because it tends to upset people that I feel that way. Yeah, but, uh, I can see, but that's just like, you know. But I do like Initium a lot, and I like November Coming Fire a lot, too. And the artwork on those records is phenomenal also. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's to me, it's it's clearly the band that, you know, formed in the wake of something like The Misfits, so I don't think it would have existed if the Misfits hadn't existed. So it does owe the Misfits for being great in and of itself, in my mm-hmm. opinion, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my take on it. But yeah, I like that someone mentioned this first because we have not talked about that much on this show ever, really. No, I just... I, and it, I just... It hasn't come up. Like, I don't yeah. think it's like a, a lack of wanting to talk about it, but it just hasn't come up. Yeah. We also haven't talked about Rosemary's Babies at all. <laughs> True. Uh, now okay. there's some punk comps. Yeah, another round of golf is one here. I don't know this comp. Do you there's know? five volumes of it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I suppose we should go over these with the resource too. Never thought of this. Yeah, we should go look up. We should use this for the resource. Well, well we're gonna try. Like I'm gonna try more specifically to get and uh, start to really get to these comps uh, in time for like Christmas, New Year. So. Uh, so yeah, we're going to get to that. We'll get to that uh, on another episode, and we will do the ten inches next week when we're not off the grid. So if you you've got someone you don't know what to get them for the holidays this year, just get them a card and write in it in like <laughs> letters like "Turned out a punk has finally gotten to the comps." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It'll be set. They won't want anything else. Yeah, there you go. Okay, on to today's episode. Jeff Cannonball. <laughs> yep. Uh, I wish you had seen the doc before we recorded this. Yeah, script. I haven't seen it yet still. No, it's not out yet. It comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'll be watching it. It's going to be... It is It is truly... Like, I think actually now that you've heard this podcast and you'll see it, this thing, you'll kind of have the same experience that I had, you know, watching this all go down with Jeff. All right. During TOD. 
What I like, well, what might be the bad thing, though, is that his personality has been revealed. But so. that's what it was when I saw him. I knew his personality, which oh, made it all the more all fucked the more up. crazy, okay. Because gotcha. it's like, it's not like, if, if I hadn't met him, I'd be like, oh, that guy must just be like some really <laughs> nutso, yeah. you know, yeah. like deathmatch, like warrior guy. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't assume that he would be... Like a best show loving, you know, record collecting, you know, like. Yeah, totally. I I looked up photos, too, because I was like, I wonder if I know what this guy looks like even at all. And uh, photos came up with his shirt or whatever, like the tear it up thing. Yeah. And like, I didn't really, like, I was assumed when you said he, like, he lifted the tear it up thing that it was like an homage or something. It's like directly the image. He got their permission. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, they were like, it's like, I was like, holy, like, it's exactly the image. I thought it would be like, I don't know, some, yeah, some homage, but kind of neat. They also, his new shirt is a last house on, wait for it, dead end street flip. I don't know that one. It's like the most obscure, it's like this art house gore movie by this would-be future porn movie director about a failed art house film director who makes a snuff movie. It's like a Charles Manson thing. (laughs) But it's like the most obscure (laughs) horror movie to do a flip shirt of. It was like, it looks so crazy. It looks so good. So if you... If you are in the market for a new <laughs> long sleeve shirt that looks awesome, go check out Jeff's shirt because it is for sale now. And he's got a sale. He's got a special sale that if you put in the code TOPE, you get $5 off the shirt. There you go. Shirt. So Nice. There you go. So what's his website, though? I'm God, sure no. if you just search Jeff Cannonball. Yeah, Jeff Cannonball. On it's on his Twitter. He's got it on his Twitter. So go to his Twitter. Yeah. So he's on Twitter. There you go. So um, what point do you want to bring up here first? Let's see. I think, Phil, you should narrate, uh, navigate this. Okay. Well, I guess, like, uh, I want to bring up the first thing, because when I first found out about Jeff, the first thing that perked me up was hearing Plastic Bomb. Yeah. I like that. It's a great choice for uh, intro music. What would be your wrestling intro music? Ooh, or your, your or Chris, because, like, that's the thing. You're not a big wrestling guy. No, but, no, I am. I'm more but you're an MMA guy. No, no. I'm more, you were an MMA guy for a while. I don't really know. I, 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 I like anything like that, but... Uh, what was that one where it was like, what's his name? The Huntington Beach Bad Boy versus uh, some guy. And we watched it. We were going to watch it. We something. did? I don't you wanted to watch it. You watched it, and then I was going to watch it with you, but then it didn't happen. I can't remember. Uh, I've watched... I used to be... It's, it's uh, you, Weirdly, MMA, similar to wrestling, I was into those things early. So, like, yeah. I watched the first whatever the hell they were. I don't even know if it was UFC then. Whatever it was, those first two or three. The first was UFC. Yeah, and so when when you had to, like, fight multiple times per night yeah, and all that a tournament stuff. Around. So yeah. similar to wrestling, like, I checked out. I saw the Attitude Era of wrestling, but I kind of checked out for good probably after that. I can't think of anything I've seen in recent years. The Attitude Era, like, was probably wrestling at its most popular. And there was but that was the end point. Stuff. Like, I had... I had Give it up a bit, but, came back in Attitude Era, and then I was out again. It's kind of, like, considered f- for, like, wrestling, like, a low point. Yeah, I could, like, for like, me... Popularity-wise, it was the biggest point. Well, I liked when when WCW still existed, and then the point when it folded, yep. I just got... That's when it really kind of was, like, I was out. Like, sort of the millions. The, the height of, like, St- Stone Cold. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was big then. 
but Stone Goldberg. Cold, Stone Cold bummed me out. It actually, I mean, everyone can have an opinion on rest. I don't know if you know, I've never talked to you about this, but like when I would see people wearing Stone Cold shirts, I would just be so bummed because to me that was like the torpedo of wrestling. Like that's to me when he seems like it could be an all right guy. I don't know, but like as a wrestler, he had like no appeal to me at all. Like the the last of that era that I remember liking, uh, weirdly enough, has become a mega Hollywood star as The Rock. Like when he was on the uh, what was that team he was a part of? It was uh, Nation of Domination. Yeah, yeah. But he had like they were like basically like this weird like it was supposed to be a mimic of like uh, I don't even know if I want to say Black Panthers, but it was something similar at first. Yeah, well, it was like it was very much modeled on sort of like this. It was at the time that they were pushing this sort of like race yeah. baiting yeah. kind of angle where they had these the uh, the the bikers the white That's bikers right. That's right. And... yeah yeah but he came out of that and it's funny because they ended up making him well he was a heel at first which is why I liked him mm-hmm. but uh, I mind you so with Stone Cold but anyway I just yeah a sidebar it's funny because Stone Cold is considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time yeah I don't like I just I think for me it was just the shtick was just so. Like, comes in, stuns a guy, shotguns yeah. a beer. I was just like, I'm not with any of this. Like, yeah. But teach their own. Clearly, I have, uh, I'm not no, the demographic. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you can get back into it now, Chris. Now there's something for everyone. I follow too much, like, sport outside of things that I, I don't have time, frankly. Yeah, but, but this is like, imagine that, but, like, the good guys <laughs> can win all the time. Um, but, yeah, so what would be your entrance music? Oh, God. Uh... You know, it's funny. I remember you guys talking about this, and I didn't even think about this while I was listening to the interview. I probably should have. Let me think on it for a minute. Okay. I'll think of something good. I always assume I'm like, oh, man. I just feel like, I feel like it'd be the dictators, just because it's so perfect. But I'm trying to think of other... I would probably do, if I was like Ultimate Warrior, I'd do Plastic Bomb. Uh, not Plastic Bomb, sorry. Uh, I'd do, uh, 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 was it... Is it dismantle? No, disintegrate. No, what's that? Um, discontent. Discontent. Yeah. See, I did think you run the ring really fast. The and one grab thing the ropes. I thought of though was Plastic Bomb is a great uh, a great song. I think Death Wish Kids would be equally good mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. going through the Poison Idea catalog. I think great intro songs for wrestlers would be Death Wish Kids. Uh, is it Xerox Frustrate? I'm bad with song titles. I think that's what it's called. I think so. That's a great song too. Plastic Bomb is excellent. But I, if I were him. It's a long song, uh, but maybe it wouldn't get to the point soon enough. But I, I love "Feel the Darkness." I think "Feel the Darkness" would be an amazing intro song. Oh, that'd be pretty cool too, because it's got that slow build. Yeah, if I think "Vocal Test by Integrity" would be cool. Oh, to come out yeah, too. yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I feel it's a good. Yeah, I don't know. That would be a. T- it's a tough one. Because I know I'll think of something later on. I'm going to just say, because of the, I always think of the dictators, I think of wrestling for obvious reasons. But uh, that first song of the first LP for me would probably be my intro music offhand, which I'm terrible with songs. I don't even remember what the hell that song's called. <laughs> next Big Thing, I think? Yeah, Next yeah. Big Thing. Anyway, what uh, about you? What's uh, yours? Uh, Did you say in the interview? I can't remember. I mean, I'd, it's probably be a 16 song. Right up there. <laughs> um, you know what's funny? Actually, fucked up would be good. Who? Can, what was the fucked up song someone used? Uh, Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan, uh, aka you know one of the, one of the best of all time. Chris <laughs> uh, used uh, Generation yeah. twice. See, that's that's classic. Um, 
Yeah, we were supposed to do a wrestling theme for Taylor Wilde too when she was in TNA wrestling, but they turned us down because of the name. Uh, bummer. Yeah. Anyway, we're uh, already digressing. <sighs> okay. Oh God, Chris. It's already yelling, folks. Oh man, I tell you, these kids being in a water park all day will really drain <laughs> the shit out of your energy. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's um. Uh, I guess let's get into the next point. It's your point, Chris, because I did my point. Okay, I need to see the list here. It's hard to see. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say I was very impressed with his amount of knowledge. I didn't expect him to be this deep on some stuff, specifically like the 90s uh, straight-edge-centric stuff. Oh, yeah, no, he... Um, that's the thing is it's so cool. It's like he's like a, a deep head. Yeah, totally. Um... Oh Lord, I don't know. There's there's a little tidbit about there about I'm broken. I think the only thing I want to say on that is, don't you feel the 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 um, perception of Unbroken as a group has like like drastically changed? Like like it used to me in their time, mm-hmm. Unbroken mm-hmm. was like the big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like the most, um, well, maybe not the most solid choice is not the way to say it, but like. It was definitely like an in vogue group, so to speak, of yeah. their era. And I feel like, you know, whatever on now, decade, a little more than decade, maybe 15 years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like that has not aged that way for people. I don't think the young the young folks are feeling unbroken, really, in that regard. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know if they're, they're not as in vogue as they once were. I mean, you let's... Know, but that let's... Whole, any, any sort of dark... Hardcore and punk like that isn't as popular as it once was. Yeah, true. I'm just thinking, like, we talked last week, I believe, about Charles Bronson. Mm -hmm. And so if you take those two groups, for example, I think, like, Charles Bronson, I I equally think does not get enough credit in the modern zeitgeist, personally, right now. But, like, Unbroken, definitely, like, not at all from my, uh, whatever, experiences in in recent years. Anyway. Uh, I guess the record still goes for a lot of money. That's my thing on Discogs. The record still goes a lot for a lot of money. They're not... I don't know. I'm not trying to say people don't entirely. I yeah. just from what I notice it's just not as But who is a band that that is like from that era that you know this that still gets the uh the big rep? Yeah. Hmm. I guess Judge maybe? Yeah, I think well Judge technically is a little earlier still though. Yeah. yeah. But I mean like Well Judge never won like Judge is like, yeah. There that's always gonna be um integrity. Although I think right integrity there. has more so much, but I think the integrity, the, the golden age integrity lineup is always highly revered. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And actually, if anything, it speaks to, to the other point, which, you know, arguably later integrity is not people's favorite, and yet they still retain that infamy in a good way as far as sonically what they do. I like I like the later integrity, you're right. I like it right. too, but it you know, you're it's right. not the same animal. I guess there's more to sink your teeth into with integrity. There's like yeah. more to kind yeah. of dissect than True. there is unbroken, but you're right, they aren't, you know, they're not like the, they once were. But Chris Callahan's still got the tattoo, so. <laughs> he is, he's keeping it alive. He's keeping the love alive for yeah. unbroken. No, I think they're still, but I, I guess you're, I guess you're saying. <laughs> like, I like it. I like Unbroken just fine, but what I mean is I just find it bizarre that they were the band for a, for a minute, I would say, of that era, and then it just seems to have not have lasted as strong or something. I don't know. It happens, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, it, it, it definitely, people's taste change, or the next wave of kids isn't as excited by something, so. Yeah. 
Okay, my point. Yep. Uh, I think I would like to go to uh, X-Files X. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you would. I, I do like this band as well. I have a theory, what was uh, your theory? about how, because your, your point in the interview was something to do with how like this band is underrated and like, I don't know, people don't know about the records or something. For me, it's the name. Like, it sounds yeah. stupid to say, yeah. but it really is. Like, if that band had just been called, I don't know, something more, like, angry generic without the X's, I think they would, I don't know, get a bit more... Uh... It wasn't a TV show pun, too. Yeah, like, the TV show pun and, like, that whole thing. It's like, that. that is so... Like, that era had those things, those kind of hallmarks, which is, like, so weird to me now, because bands aren't doing that at all. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, anymore. But uh, I'm with you in terms of the band's quality is definitely there. But yeah, I think I f- honestly think the name makes people not like look it up or, or or listen to it. Didn't they have like a record, like a seven inch called like Message Board Mayhem too? Uh, like I don't know. That's a, that's a comp, I think. But I don't okay, know. If, I don't it. think it's they had them. some like I think they had some seven inch that had some real goofy title too. Yeah, they, it's like it doesn't. And for me, like, it doesn't really match the music either. Like, the tone of, like, the branding, so to speak, doesn't really match the uh, yeah ferocity of the music. Yeah. It'd be like Infest being called, I don't know, like, X-Hot Dog X or something. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, anyway. Brendan's got, like, one of the coolest voices in the history of music. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's yeah. got, like, such a crazy range to do that and then also, yeah. like, the lovely lad stuff. Yes. And it's funny, too, because, again, yeah, he is, uh, I'd love to hear him on this. I really hope you interview him one day. I would love to have him on uh, this. Yeah, he's great. But uh, all of his bands, too, I've liked. But, yeah, it is funny. Like, I forget that. Yeah. You're like, even you just saying it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, not to mention Rival Mob, for the young younger yep. folks who might yep. not know. Rival Mob, same, same singer. But, yeah, totally right. His range is crazy. I remember they played, uh, I don't even remember which group it was. I want to say it was Rival Mob or... Anyway, he fronted the group and they covered Danzig and it was flawless. Where was that? It was they played with you guys. I think it was either a fucked up weekend. Was, it was Soul Swallower. Or Soul Swallower. Yeah, they covered. Oh God! But it was it was perfect. Like yeah. he literally sounded exact. He had the crazy vocal range. It was perfect. Yeah, no, he's got an incredible voice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, X Files. Yeah, I think it's the name. That's my theory. And great, yeah, great you man. Could be right. Good right on the name. Um, okay, your turn. All right, uh, you had you skipped over a couple things here. I want there was oh, something sure. I was tipped on earlier. Um, you know, obviously I love the tear it up shoutouts. I think we shout out tear it up a lot on this show. So mm-hmm. it's um, there was oh man, this uh, I don't know this band, but I want to. Did you ever find anything out about more, more about that thin line fading? Uh, someone told me that they did not like them very much, but I don't know if that's reflective okay. on them, uh, their sound and stuff. But was Dave involved in that or no? No, no. It was, uh, some other members <laughs> okay. of Tear It Up. That it was just the, the moment of clarity. I was and curious. And Rain Supreme and... Yeah, yeah. And like someone else, actually. There's like a bunch of people that were in other bands after that. Gotcha. Okay. They're like one of those bands, it seems, that like, yeah. you know, a lot of different people from different points went off into. Gotcha, Okay. Um, so that's, I don't know my, my, my point, but, um, I guess skip down a bit. There was something else. X-Files, that's funny. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I guess, well, one thing in the interview I thought was really good. Yeah, actually, I don't know anything about this, so we'll talk about this because you can inform me. Mm-hmm. This piss jeans and Ch- Chikara, like, I don't know Chikara at all. Chikara is like a pro wrestling company that we mentioned oh, briefly, but they okay. kind of like favor like a real like high flying style, but they've also okay. had like a lot of like other people come through. It's like one of the bigger American indies. So what? And piss jeans guys were involved in the beginning of it, and some of the guys used to wrestle in it. Oh, okay. Because the only, and it was funny, it never came up on the show, to my knowledge, or the interview, pardon me, uh, but, like, his favorite wrestler being Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. and you guys didn't mention Oh, the Ultimate, Ultimate Warriors? Warriors? I know, we should have. I've actually met, I've got, like, I've been talking to someone in that group about coming on the show for yeah, a while now, him. and it just hasn't happened, but, yeah, one of the best record funds I think I've ever had is I was in this record store, randomly, what was that? Seattle, I don't even remember where I was, somewhere in America. Yeah. And I was in this record store, and they had an Ultimate Warriors test press. Nice. And it was uh, a Jughead's Revenge <laughs> LP nice. jacket with a test press inside. <coughs> so excited to get it, Checked Chris. off two boxes oh for gosh. you. Oh, my gosh. Two amazing marks right there. Yeah, agreed. But we, I, I really like Piss Jeans, so I like the mention in the episode, but also, I guess... Are they a New Jersey area band? I don't know where they're from. Like uh, Philly, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Allentown. Oh, really? Okay. Because they were gate crashers. Remember the gate yeah, crashers? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. And uh, that they were also like the double decker guys. That okay. Were, could only good records at double decker. So I didn't know anything there because the Chikara I thought was a group. I was like, I didn't hear about this other band. I didn't know about it. But okay, that makes perfect. sense. <laughs> you know, Chikara is a pro wrestling company. Gotcha. But Ultramantis Black Chris is another straight edge vegan wrestler. Okay. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot more people that you <laughs> should identify with lifestyle-wise than in that uh, sport you watch where they kick around that ball. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. Like, do I really... Do I, really, I don't have to identify with people that are similar to me just because they're similar to me. I know, but I just can't believe... I don't know how you could cheer for people that are probably the opposite of you. <laughs> You know, like he was like, I don't cheer he, for them all. Yeah. I, I cheer against many of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the vast majority, in fact. <laughs> but you, I guess you need your own douchebag to fight the other douchebags. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I understand. Kind of. So I think that was my point. Okay. I said that. Uh, mine is Eperfest. Have you played Eperfest? No. That really? was either. No, we didn't. Yeah. So what, uh, when you went, like, what fucked up era was this that you played it? I think they played it without me with the beat. <laughs> the first beep, time, yeah. Okay. And then I then we played it. So that would have been like two thousand seven or eight, probably. Yeah, and then I think we played it before David Comes to Life came out. Wow! Just before. It, I mean, if we played it, I would be shocked that I'm not aware. But I don't recall. Like it, it's in Europe, right? So yeah, it's any, like a huge. It's a huge. Yes, yeah, so we did not. We didn't play anything like that that I'm aware of. Um, we did play Europe, but not that. I guess uh, your turn. All right. So um, one point I want to mention is because you have the connection via this this gentleman via you being label mates. Yes. But I have arguably a closer connection that I found out listening to the interview, which is he played in Black Kites. The drummer of Black Kites went on to be in, as he mentions in the interview, Hands of Hate. Uh, Cream, uh, Concealed Blade, a bunch of other bands. But uh, his name is Jay. Jay actually played drums for Urban Blight on a tour of the West Coast. So technically speaking, Jeff Cannonball and I have like 
technically shared the same drummer. You're like one degree of separated. Yeah, one degree away. And also, it made me realize that Urban Blight's like another one of those bands in Toronto <laughs> with like, I guess, one original member. Uh, would have been two. Well, that tour, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, technically, you're right. It would have been two. Would have been Jason and, and Beef, but didn't Jason leave at the end? Yeah, or? Jason. No, he, he never left. But he was. There was always issues with touring. Yeah, stuff. there was always. Um, so that's why Jay played with us and whatever. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 yeah, the original. We're the career suicide uh, of of the heart. Well, career suicide. Well, except, of the except there was Beef the whole way through. This is true, but what I mean is, uh, what I was trying to to pat myself on the back with, and no disrespect to anybody who was in the band previous, but the crew suicide, certain lineups of a certain era are more golden. That's true. That's true. And I think when people will look back with with that glint in their eye, it will be the era of later, not the earlier. You were the definitive lineup. Well, I'm not saying it, but. Like, not like the. I I thought it was like, it was cool when it was the Cancer Bats and Beef. (laughs) Well, it would have been pre Cancer Bats then, but yeah. I think the Cancer Bats were going. No, they were not. They weren't? Uh, Like, when when Liam was on drums? Yeah, the same time. Not at first, no. no. It would have been. It wasn't. It was around that same time, but Airblight, I believe, predates Cancer Bats entirely. Pretty sure. I think he already had another lineup before that too. I think um, Liam was just filling in on drums because Jason couldn't. Make well, they it. were both in. This is funny. We're talking about this, but anyway, they were both in. Was it Shipwreck? Or, X Shipwreck X or with... the Choice? I can't remember which one. No, the Choice was Jonah. Uh, but anyway, there was a band that the, the these Cedar bands, as I normally like to call them. That so like Liam and, and Beav were in a band pre that kind of led to Urban Blight eventually, which is why Liam played on the oh yeah tour. It was United Youth Crew. No, that was that was another. No, not United. It was the band that did the split. With I think it was Shipwreck. I'm pretty sure. And then Ship- Shipwreck's the one with, with uh, X. It's not X Shipwreck. Bickle. The, no, that was the. Oh, Bickle might have been. Bickle I can't remember. Shipwreck. But either way, I have the demo. We can, I'm sure you do too. Yeah, the demo. We'd have to look it up. We don't have it. We're not. Dave is on his room to check right no, now. No, I can't look in front of me. You didn't bring your demos with you? I should have. I should have <laughs> bring all my shit with me. Anyway, uh, this is neither here nor there, but yes, uh, whatever. I don't remember how we started talking about our blight, but anyway. Oh, yeah, with I, I brought it up. That's right, with the Jeff shared, Campbell connection. Shared lineage. That's right. And I, Jay is a very a very good man, uh, and I thought that was cool. It was funny learning things in interviews that you'd think you would you know, already know of, but yeah, wasn't aware at all. Uh, no, Jeff, I think that's the thing is like, I knew this. I knew before we started this podcast that Jeff would be one of those people that united a bunch of really disparate kind of worlds. Yeah. Well, you have tear it up. You have mm-hmm. piss jeans connection. You have that weird connection, which I have a direct connection to. Like it's, I would never have thought that based mm-hmm. on like you mentioning the guys in wrestling. I'd never in a million years. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess should we do one more? Yeah. Pick one of them. We'll. Oh man, wrap it. what do we do? Um. There's a lot of stuff talked about in the in the interview. I just wanted to make sure we hit all those like weird little points. I know there's so much stuff to get to, but as one of as as normally goes, Chris, <laughs> we are recording very late. Yeah, and I we're think in the parking lot of a hotel. It's true. I think we've done a good job though highlighting most of the weird, obscure. I I guess the only thing we have left to talk about is the idea that punks are in juggalos. <laughs> 
are like one and the same. Yeah, you, this is your longtime theory, so I you remember, love this. I wrote a blog about this and got death threats after it, so you... I will try and uh, make the theory. And I mean, literally, that's I did get death threats out of it. From Juggalos, though, or from punks? Uh, Juggalos. Wow. Um, I don't think I was being anti Juggalo no, not at all. at all. I remember reading, like, I remember vaguely reading it. I don't recall it in great detail, but you have been persistent with that for a very long time. Yeah. That, that sort of, um, I don't remember if your blog thing mentioned, but you were basically saying that the Juggalos are the new punks legitimately mm-hmm. because they're hated by everybody and they're their mm-hmm. own thing and they've created their own world. Uh, I can't argue that, <coughs> but uh, it's not my thing. Um, I also vehemently disagree with you and Jeff that Homies is a good song but uh what <laughs> I don't like anything they've ever done like and like like <laughs> I'm saying right now that came on Chris yeah in even the when car. the interview I could say I was listening to the interview with someone else and as you're saying that the whole time just like no no I was saying it like as I was listening but they were like yo let's put on Homies after this no, legit Chris they were not Homies they were, homies. They were humoring my like Wow, you don't like this. And like, no, yeah, don't. and then they were like, okay, better not tell them that I think it's a sick song, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, not my thing. But, yeah, uh, you have a point. Uh, I guess... Um, I find it funny that Junglers were upset about that. Well, like, I think that's, I, like, I, the ultimate compliment. It was like this, like, you better watch out. No, but I think that, like, honestly, I think that's the ultimate compliment. So do I. Like that's it really what, is like like saying. like basically saying like you're the only real subculture left is basically what you're saying to them. Well, I'm saying they're, yeah, they're, and at the time, this is a while ago. Yeah, they were the they were probably the most maligned. Yeah, of... I don't think that's changed. Do you? That world is to me is the same. Like, yeah, I don't think... like I don't know. Like I would say, of like inconsequential music stuff. Yeah, definitely, they're still the most maligned. Yeah, but, like within this world, weird world where so many people have been turned into, you know, uh, made into to, to scapegoat for society's problems. Or, like, sure, it's a lot... Right. It seems like the stakes are a lot higher than they were in the early 2000s yeah, when I could write this Fair block. enough, fair enough, you're right. Because they even have the... What is it? They're considered a gang by... Yeah, the FBI now and yeah. stuff, yeah. Anyway, this is an interesting topic. But, yeah, you've been... A long time you've said that. I can't argue you. You're not... You're not incorrect. I just fail to acknowledge it as a, a stubborn purist of thoughts on punk and subculture. Oh, I got to get Kevin Gill on this podcast. <laughs> Kevin Gill can break it all down. There you go, yeah. Imagine the human furnace was the influence of the jungle. That Facebook. would be wild. There, there's got to be links. I mean, there's definitely things... Uh, flyers of them playing with, like, Cold as Life. And so there's definitely exposure. There's flyers of them playing with Cold as yeah. Life? yeah. Holy so the, so shit! Would that show been like? There's definitely like it's it's they, in some capacity, have have had some exposure yeah. to these kind of things. Like they've intermingled. I don't. Of course, I wouldn't say like that's like it's it's just proximity. I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Regionally, they're in the same area. But yeah, it was. I'm guessing was the, the early '90s. Anyway, I mean, a weird, sketchy show. Oh God, yeah. Oh my god! Yep. If anyone can find the flyer too, send it into us. Yeah, please send it in flyer. I've definitely seen it. I remember being on the road, and randomly, it was in Olympia, Washington, of all the places. If this person listens to this, please send it. But he had his phone at the time, a smartphone, and he was 
I don't know why he was talking about this. This guy after the show showed us, like, I, like he said, mentioned that. And I thought, yeah, wow. that's crazy. And he showed the actual flyer, like, like the, on his phone, like a capture of it. Anyway. So yeah, if you're listening, please send that in. Yeah, please. Turn it up on footnotes at gmail.com. All right, there's a lot more to get to, but we will get to that in future episodes. Jeff will be back for part two, so we'll get to that in all the part twos. But in the meantime, if you haven't yet, please go to vice.com and watch Bloodlust Tournament of Death. It will blow your mind. It is a great companion piece to watching, uh, sorry, sorry, to listening to the Jeff Cannonball episode of Tournament of Punk. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. Once again, please go over and buy your tickets to the Turnout of Punk Live tour that's happening on the East Coast of the United States it's starting December 12th. Uh, and, yep, get your tickets for that, and uh, hopefully Chris will be able to make it. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think that's it. Right, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next week. This has been awesome, buddy. Live! Yeah, for once, yes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.